Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the stories of businesses good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Thank you for joining us on the Colorado Business Roundtable podcast, and we're very excited to welcome the CEO of API, which is American Petroleum Institute, Mike Summers. Welcome to Colorado. Great to be with you, Debbie. It's such a pleasure to work with Lynn Granger, who has, who is leading the helm here for API Colorado, and very fun to have you come to town and hear more about what's going on nationally with API. Thank you. We are so blessed to have Lynn Granger as the head of our, our office here in Colorado, leading the Colorado Petroleum Council. Lynn's been with us for about a year and has just done a fabulous job representing uh, API and our many member companies that are based in Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we get into kind of the tough stuff, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me your story and how you ended up here today. Great. Thanks. So yes, uh, I've been uh, in Washington, D.C. for almost 25 years now. So uh, I guess you could call me a swamp creature at this point. <laughs> um, but I began my career as a young congressional staffer for a guy by the name of Congressman John Boehner. Uh, and after about uh, 18 years with him, he was elected Speaker of the United States House of Representatives. So I spent uh, most of my career on Capitol Hill with Congressman Boehner with a brief uh, interlude where I worked for President Bush in 2005, and I handled a specific portfolio of issues that included energy, agriculture policy, and trade policy for President Bush. It was a great honor to be at the White House, but I was glad I went back to go back to work for uh, John Boehner, who was had just been elected Majority Leader of the House of Representatives. Uh, so I served uh, with Boehner for uh, quite a long time. It was a great experience, and I ended my career as his Chief of Staff for the Speaker of the House uh, for the last four years of his speakership. Wow. So you're no stranger to public policy, controversy, collaboration. Those are all skills that you brought into the new job. Well, look, as the, as the speaker used to say, you know, his job was to keep all the frogs in the wheelbarrow. So <laughs> we spent a lot of time doing that, of course, in politics, and we spent a lot of time doing that in trade associations as well. That's true. Well, that does sound like really interesting work, especially with the oil and natural gas industry being... Um, you know, a tougher issue probably in today's public policy space. So how, how did that sort of help inform why you jumped into the work with API? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the great things about trade associations is that it brings different companies, different perspectives together, and we work together to form consensus on key policy issues. It's very similar to how Congress is supposed to work. I'm not sure it works that way anymore, but it's similar to how Congress is supposed to work. And API is a big organization. So we represent about 600 members, uh, member companies uh, throughout the oil and natural gas industry. And we're the only organization in this space that represents just about everybody in the space, everything from the production well to when you're uh, filling up your gas tank. Uh, we represent everybody in between as well. So uh, about 600, 600 members, as I said, uh, worldwide. So our biggest members include uh, Exxon, BP, Shell, Chevron, of course. Uh, but then we have a lot of many uh, smaller members as well that have significant operations in the state of Colorado. So uh, I was pleased yesterday to go to an extraction oil and gas well pad, for mm -hmm. example. So uh, there are a lot of great producers here in Colorado, a lot of big companies uh, headquartered here. And it's why we have an office uh, in Colorado, and we're committed to the state. And I think we're, are we still number seventh in the nation, Colorado, as far as production? Colorado is number seven. Okay. Um, and uh, it is a huge production state for uh, the industry. We're committed to this state. We want to make sure that uh, you can continue to produce this resource uh, because it is, this is an oil and natural 
natural gas-rich state. We want to make sure that uh, Coloradans continue to benefit from low energy prices, uh, but we need to make sure that the regulatory environment in particular is good for Colorado producers. Right, absolutely. And I think when I, I saw you at the lunch yesterday, Mike, it was a real honor to help be a part of introducing you to some of those community leaders. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm a little nerdy on oil and gas because I find it so interesting and spent some time also working in that sector and so it's really wonderful to especially promote what the good work you're doing through Colorado Business Roundtables. So happy to be partners with you all in all the good work that you're trying to do, for sure. Thank you, because uh, the only way that we can get our message out, get our voice out, is to work through organizations like the Colorado Business Roundtable, uh, like the Chamber of Commerce as well. So we, we did a big uh, event with Affinity Chambers, so some of the chambers in the Hispanic community, the uh, African-American community. We did a breakfast with them as well yesterday to get the message out about how important this industry is to uh, the Colorado economy. Right. This has been a busy couple days for you. It has. Um, I <laughs> Hopefully you get to see uh, some of the interesting sites in Colorado as well. I'm sure I production love, sites are interesting. I but... love, love this state. Good. Um, and I have fun whenever, whenever I get here. And they put together a great schedule for me. So it included, of course, uh, addressing Chambers of Commerce, mm-hmm. uh, the Business Roundtable, of course, yesterday afternoon. Uh, but I also got to go to a, a high school today. Um, I okay. also got to go Tell see... Tell me about that. I got, went to see Hinkley High School. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a program that has an international baccalaureate program, a very uh, high-end high school, um, which really attracts a diverse community of students. Um, And so uh, just this morning, I was able to uh, meet with a bunch of those students. We did a STEM program uh, in the classroom where the students were actually able to make frac fluid, um, which was a really, (laughs) really neat program. Did you have any students push back on that to (laughs) say that that was, uh, you know... Well, look, Did I mean, they feel like that was a controversial subject, or were they more science-oriented and wanted to just ask questions of you about the process? You know, one process? of the things that we always talk about is how this is an industry truly of scientists and engineers and geologists, um, and we're going to need uh, this diverse workforce of the future. And, I, you know, one of the things I tell my kids is that, you know, if you're interested in helping change the world, uh, oil and gas is a great place to go because uh, this is an industry that every day is innovating in a way to meet the challenges of the future, to meet the energy challenges of the future. So to be able to have that opportunity at Hinkley High, be able to to do experiments with them side by side was a real honor. Yeah, that's very cool. Maybe you inspired the next petroleum engineer <laughs> that's going to you know work for Lynn Granger. That, the... That's exactly right. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I hope we'd be able to do that. Well, and speaking of fracking, I know that your staff gave me a report of um, a study that you just released about how it would particularly impact Colorado families if there was a fracking ban enacted. Absolutely. And tell me, tell me more about that study and if you think there's really a chance that that could be something that could be enacted here in Colorado. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a real threat and I think something that we're real concerned about. But when we talk about fracking, I think it's actually more important to talk about from the beginning. Um, you know, I think fracking generally has been given a bad name, but I think what your listeners may be interested in is that you know every almost every new well in the United States is fracked. This is a well-known, uh, very well-researched uh, technology to the point where, as I said, almost every new well drilled in this country is fracked. This isn't just a ban on fracking that some people are talking about. This is a ban on oil and gas development in the United States, and you know what this report talks about, which you can find on api.org, what this report talks about is what the consequences to the American economy would be, Colorado in particular, mm-hmm. if actually this policy And was the numbers pursued. are staggering. They're staggering. In fact, nationwide, you'd be looking at about 7.5 million jobs lost. 
Um, in Colorado alone, it would be over 500,000 jobs. That's interesting because you know there are you know about uh, a little over 200,000 people who work in this industry in the state. But who else loses their job? There's, these are people that depend on this industry. So higher energy costs would also occur. So we predict that through this study that energy costs would, would be 60% higher as a consequence of a ban on fracking. So the people who are influenced, who are going to be hurt by this, uh, primarily aren't just people in oil and gas. Right. They're people throughout our economy. And I think when you look at numbers, I always think numbers, you know, they represent people. It's not yes. just numbers. Yes. So you think about families' lives, and in some ways, when you particularly talk about energy costs, it's the poorest among us, the ones who don't have that extra income or seniors who are on a fixed income that are going to be impacted even more. Yes. And some of the job losses, you know, I've always found it interesting as we've studied it for several years because this isn't a new political issue for Colorado, you know, the, the loss of jobs with everything from teacher funding to parks and rec to transportation. It's just this all-encompassing impact, which is why the business roundtable, which is made up of businesses in every other sector, actually finds that they want to come alongside and, and be proactive on this issue as well. It's an economic issue, not just an oil and gas issue. Absolutely. Uh, and it's going to be so important for Colorado's future. About a billion dollars of your uh, you know, public services are funded by oil and gas revenue every mm-hmm. year. Imagine, you know, I, we know that the gov- one of the governor's top priorities is to fund education at a higher level. Well, you can't do that by taking a billion dollars off the no, top. No, it's not a unicorns start. and magical wand kind <laughs> of thing. That's exactly right. But how did, how did we get here? What's interesting is you've been in the political world for quite some time, and I would probably say 20 years ago it wasn't as divisive as it is now. And, I, and I'm curious if you think that same premise. But also we have candidates now at the federal level calling for all-out bans on fracking. It's not just a Colorado issue. You're dealing with this at the federal level. How did we get here as a culture that this is we just ban something that's – so pivotal yeah. to I mean, our future. Look, uh, you know, unfortunately, our politics have, have gotten more extreme. Um, and this isn't just a trend that uh, has occurred recently. This is a trend that's been ongoing for many years. You know, and I think that there are a lot of things that you can point to that have put us in this position. Um, of course, it's unfortunate. When I first came to Washington, there actually were bipartisan agreements. And you could actually come together and everybody would get a half a loaf. Mm-hmm. And I, we're, we're far from that now. And it's really, really a shame. You know, I attribute it mainly to social media and how uh, people are really able to find their own tribe on social media and really block out other differing perspectives. Um, energy should be a bipartisan issue. It is, you know, the uh, one of the, the key drivers of the American economy. It's eight percent of GDP, and. Every president for the last seven presidents um, has made energy independence in this country a key goal. This started with Jimmy Carter uh, and has gone through every single president since, since then, Republican or Democrat. We want to get back to that stage where everyone understands the importance of American energy independence because it makes our economy so much more secure than every other economy in the world. Absolutely. And I think one of the things you said at lunch yesterday that I thought, I thought was so pivotal is – even though petroleum is in your name, you're in all of the above strategy. Absolutely. And the truth is technology sort of finds its way um, within the energy space every day. Yeah. I, I get surprised at how people think it really is just sort of this caveman activity, and they don't understand the technological advancements that we see in the industry all the time. No question. And, you know, we, we like to say that all of the above can't include none of the below because we know that fossil fuels will play a key part in our energy future for many, many years to come. In fact, even under the rosiest scenarios for renewables, we expect that fossil fuels will play about uh, a 50% role even in 2050, even under these rosy scenarios of what Mm -hmm. renewables will do. So the world is going to need this resource. 
we want to make sure that it comes from the United States. We want to make sure that it comes from Colorado because that's good for the American consumer and good for our economy. And what are you seeing along those lines as far as technology? What are, um, as production is increasing, efficiencies are becoming more prevalent every day. It's interesting when you look at like the size of well pads, when you look at sort of these systems that help lessen impacts on communities. What would you say are the biggest technological advancements that you're seeing well, first, um, you know, we've figured out new ways to find this resource. I told the kids at Hankley High this morning uh, that when I was in seventh grade, I remember my science teacher telling me that we would be out of oil by the year 2000. Mm-hmm. It's 2020, and we are now the world's largest natural gas and oil producer. And that is only because of American technological innovation. Things like hydraulic fracturing, like horizontal drilling, uh, where you can go 10,000 feet down and then turn on a 90 degree angle and go another 10,000 feet. It's truly amazing. It's like landing a person on the moon. And that's a technological advancement. But what's important about it is, is that it allows us to drill fewer wells. When you can go down 10,000 feet and over 10,000 feet, that means uh, less uh, wells uh, within our environment. Yeah. And that's good less for the environment. Less impact for community. No question. You know, neighbors who perhaps sometimes grow into areas of production have less impact. And you think about how much smaller the well pads are today. Um, you know, I went to an extraction wells, well pad just yesterday. Uh, you know, these are sites that are much, much smaller than they ever have been before. We've gone to a, from, a, from a place where we were drilling on things that are about the size of football fields to, you know, areas that are about the size of tennis courts. It's amazing what this industry has done to innovate, to meet the needs of the American consumer. You know, every single day, our producers are working with our communities to make sure that they're lessening their impact on the environment. And that's what's really exciting about being within this industry. And I think that is one of the things I know when, when I've worked with Lynn in the past, some of those impact on impacts on communities in particular in some of our suburbs have been kind of the, the hot spots, if you will, for conversation and collaboration. And some of the impacts like noise and odor and some of those have been mitigated. But there's still sometimes these questions about safety, um, health effects. I wonder if you'd want to address that as Absolutely. well. It's It's kind of the thing that is always sort of, I think, the sticky subject. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, interestingly, I just had the opportunity yesterday to see some of uh, this production um, in Broomfield uh, when I was with Extraction. It is amazing the lengths to which they have gone to lessen their impact on the community. They work every day with the neighbors, and they make sure that uh, those neighbors aren't significantly impacted by their operations. Um, so they've come up with new technologies, including sound barriers around uh, their production. Um, you go 500 feet from from the production and it's truly amazing you can't hear a thing they're also using um, in their frack technology they've electrified most of their frack technology so they're not using diesel fuel which is much louder so it's amazing what they have done to make sure that they're not impacting these communities and they've done had key partnerships with the community leaders to make sure that these impacts continue to go down And really, I find it so fascinating that oil and gas almost sets the standard for some of those community relationships Mm -hmm. and we can't have zero impact. Right. If, if I have a new Starbucks going up on my corner, guess what? It's going to be loud for a little while. It might be a little bit of a hassle getting around a few cones. Uh, but at the end of the day, I get a Starbucks, you know, perhaps on my way to work. So, but impact is part of it, but trying to lessen it, it seems like almost the oil and gas community 
is a leader for even other industries oh, on how to have that no collaboration. Question. There's no question. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think when I was up at this site yesterday, you know, you get 500 feet from the well pad. Uh, the only thing you can hear are cars on the street. You're not hearing anything that's going on uh, behind those sound barrier walls. Uh, it's it's truly amazing technology, and they want to make sure that they're not uh, the ones fielding these kinds of questions from the community either. Right, and even so, health and safety for our employees. You know, no there's question. such a care towards wanting uh, the oil and gas workers to come home at night safe to you know have all those protections in place. Yes, yeah, it's uh, super impressive. It is. It's really really important. You know. Uh, Actually, just earlier this year, Extraction uh, was able to uh, cite its two millionth man hour without any safety incident. Uh, that just doesn't happen by accident. You know, every t- time you go to one of these sites, whether you're going to an office or whether you're going to an actual extraction site, you get a safety briefing, yeah. and you're told how important safety is. And that goes down not only just when you're at the site, but it's put your seatbelt on. You know, here's the muster points. You know, this is this is an industry that's really really focused on making Absolutely. sure that our sites. Are So how do we, in light of today's political environment, federally and in Colorado, we're seeing in particular policies at the state capitol, we might be seeing additional ballot initiatives. How do we get the word out? And again, we'd love to help as Colorado Business Roundtable, but how... How do we help you guys get the word out? I believe you're starting a new campaign. You're trying to take some of these messages to a broader audience. I'd love to hear about what, how we can be helpful to you. Absolutely. So we feel like we have a great story to tell, and uh, we just need to tell it. And part of that is communicating with uh, business audiences like the Business Roundtable, because uh, you can be, in many ways, uh, better advocates for this industry than even we are. So uh, th- this is one way, by talking to podcasts, uh, being within your communities, talking about the benefits of this industry. But we also understand the importance of telling our case within other forms of media. So we've launched a campaign at the beginning of this year called Energy for Progress. And you can learn about uh, some of the key environmental performance metrics that we measure to make sure that we're lessening the impact of oil and gas on our communities. So if your listeners go to energyforprogress.org, they can learn a lot more about uh, what we're doing to protect our environment. Um, So we're excited about that. But the other thing we're doing, we're also trying to explain consequences to American voters about uh, who they're voting for, and if they are uh, making the wrong policy choices, what the impact could be. You have to explain consequences to people, because I do feel like um, the opponents of this industry are really living in a consequence-free world right now. They can say whatever they want without the consequences being seen. Yeah. They we know been what at, they are. They should have been at Hinkley High School this morning that's to exactly hear about right. fracking and do it do a scientific experiment with you. <laughs> well, that's one place that we need to do better in. Um, you know, ed- energy education is at its, uh, it seems like it's all-time low, uh, and a lack of understanding as to where our power comes from. We need to make sure that we're in the schools. We need to make sure that we're educating American students about the importance of this industry, the great-paying jobs that come from this industry, and the impacts that we have. Right. It, when, it, when politics becomes personal, then it's a thing, is that's kind exactly of what I like right. to think. You know, the products you use, if you like hot showers, if you like driving, if you like the quality of life, then all of a sudden it's a personal issue for sure for Coloradans. And I think especially seeing the faces of the folks that work in the oil and natural gas industry here has been probably the most impactful for me. 100%. And these are people that take great pride in what they do. They think they've really done the world and America a favor by making sure that we've become energy independent. And we should thank them for the work that they've put forward in, in accomplishing what every president in the last seven presidents have set out to do. These are patriots. They're proud of the work they do. And I think it's frankly insulting that many of the opponents of this industry think that we're just going to transition these people into different kinds of jobs. They love what they do. They're well-paid jobs. 
and we want to make sure they can continue to, to work in, in this industry. Yeah. Well, that's that's actually a great point to close our time together. But how about on behalf of Colorado Business Roundtable, we would like to thank you, Mike, for all the work you're doing to stand up for oil and natural gas workers in Colorado and across the country. It's such an honor to work with Lynn, specifically here day by day, but we do want to thank you for all that you do and for all those workers and what they provide to our state. Appreciate the fact. Tell us the website one more time for folks who might want to go and get more information. So if you'd like to learn more about the American Petroleum Institute, you can go to api.org. If you'd like to learn more about uh, this new campaign we've launched, you can go to energyforprogress.org. Perfect. We'll check it out. And thanks again for joining us, Mike Summers with API. Thank you, Debbie. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom in Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.